Everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 275, recording live today, Wednesday, the 18th of July 2012. Uh, we are post uh, summer now, which we didn't really mention a great deal last week, um, but it, we were just a couple of days before the show, so there wasn't actually anything we could talk about legitimately. So, But this week it's slightly different. Uh, we have uh, quite a number of things, or at least a couple of things, uh, one of which is uh, is particularly interesting. I'm, I'm finding particularly interesting anyway. Um, and I'm going to start um, by welcoming a new guest. We've got a kind of... Uh, 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 a Sonic Talk virgin here in terms of Rick Nackvi from uh, Personas. Uh, Personas, of course, have been uh, doing some great work with uh, their online streaming stuff. You'll be able to see Rick in a number of videos where they talk about uh, Studio One, which is their current new door, and lots of other developments, uh, including the uh, Studio Live desk. Yeah, they're, they're on fire, frankly, and their Summer Nam coverage was awesome. They were streaming a lot of it live, uh, much to the envy of me, who makes me think, actually, that's what I want to do, and then I can just go home at the end of the day and not do any editing. Anyway, Rick, how are you? It's great to have you aboard. Doing great. Thanks uh, for having me. You're more than welcome. Oh, we seem to have lost. Uh, we just seem to have lost Gaz there. So I'm just going to change the shot up again. Well, Rick, um, one of the uh, well, I'll come back to you and we'll talk about the developments because there's been some exciting developments over at Personas, and uh, that's one of the reasons that we're having you on. And we we'll also have Mr. Richard Hilton, uh, Hiltonius.com. Uh, where Rich is currently uh, in Ireland, I believe, where he is uh, awaiting a gig uh, with Sheik. Uh, Sheik's the the travelling disco band is on is on the road at the moment. Uh, so, um, how are you? Pretty good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, what you have you had some sort of travel nightmare, or are you okay? I'm fine. Yes to both questions. <laughs> Uh, but I'm fine. We just lost. Uh, we just lost Gaz. So I'm just trying to type that in. That's why I'm looking a bit distracted. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Go get him. I'll go get him. Uh, uh, I miss him already. <laughs> right. Let's go. Let's go. Just get Gaz. I hope it's not going to be one of those terrible Skype days. Sometimes you just have them. I, I guess I'm guessing Rick. You probably know about this. Being a uh, live broadcaster, you have to. Do you use Skype as an incoming source sometimes? We will from time to time, you know, when we have guests and um, it, it's a crapshoot, you know, it's, it's the internet. So Yeah, that is uh, some, certainly, certainly, uh, certainly one way of putting it, that's for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's the one thing that uh, nobody seems to have solved a kind of just pay a bit and have a kind of secure working stream between you and the people that you want to have. And it's very variable, um, unfortunately. The, the internet weather does uh, does change things a, a number of times. So we'll just have to... Um, I think Gaz may be rebooting by the looks of things. So, um, Rick. Yes. <laughs> let's, uh, let's come to you first, because uh, Gaz can let us know when he's ready, and uh, that'll all be fine. So, Rick, uh, in- very interesting times at Presonus. I mean, there's you, you guys are just kind of on fire. I mean, what... Can you just tell me a little bit what you announced at uh, Summer Nam and how was it? Um, sure, absolutely. Well, we um, recently just acquired a company called Nimbit. And uh, Nimbit has been around for about 10 years. And um, they are uh, an online web platform that uh, have a technology that allows musicians, you know, particularly 
independent musicians the ability to upload their music and sell their music and share their music and promote their music online. And uh, why we found them particularly interesting is uh, they've got some really cool technology and we wanted to have the ability for our Studio One users to be able to um, have a direct pipe into um, Nimbit. So, you know, already we were the first DAW um, back, you know, with our version one um, of Studio One to integrate SoundCloud yeah, yeah. into the DAW. And, um, you know, we, were, we had the first ability to be able to directly within the DAW shoot stuff up to SoundCloud. And, and uh, so this is sort of like the next step of that. Um, in addition to being able to, you know, put your stuff up on, on SoundCloud from within Studio One, now you have the ability to uh, upload your music directly to, to Nimbit. And, and Nimbit is, um, you know, you could kind of think of it as, um, you know, a storefront yeah. that you put on uh, your website. You can put the Nimbit storefront on your Facebook page and um, allowing you to sell digital downloads as well as uh, even physical merchandise. And of course the digital part of things, you know, with, with um, being able to, you know, upload and have your stuff for sale very quickly. Uh, that was really kind of interesting to us. So what we showed at NAM was, you know, we had a young artist, uh, acoustic guitar player, songwriter in our, in the booth. And uh, he would come in and we, he was plugged into a, one of our studio live boards and we recorded him playing a song and then do a quick edit in Studio One and shoot it up to Nimbit and literally it's on sale for people to buy within, you know, five, ten minutes. So um, pretty cool. So effectively, the the kind of content. Well, so what happens with it within the Nimbit kind of process? So the, it's it's a plugin that that integrates your chosen content. So you master, mix it down, and then that file becomes available to to do stuff with Nimbit, right? Right. So you know what the way that it works is once you're done with whatever you want to do in Studio One, you um. In, you go to the export audio tab, just like that's where you would go to burn a CD or burn an MP3. Um, but now there's a new option uh, where directly from this dialog box that you can actually upload directly to Nimbit. And once you've created an account with Nimbit, it basically accesses your account and now allows you to, um, you know, put it up on your Nimbit store. And the cool thing is, is once it uh, once it's up there. It's instantaneous. I mean, you set a price, and it's for sale. Um, you know, Nimbit, like I said, has been around for about ten years. They were actually one of the first um, online music distribution kind of sites. Um, the cool thing is, is now we're the first DAW to actually have this ability um, directly within the DAW. So, you know, you don't have to um, do your song and then close it down and then log into your Nimbit account and, you know, upload it, then, I mean, this is directly, you know... From well, and also, I mean, I guess it's just a simple sort of... It, the inter, the integration is... I mean, I, I'm not often finding myself... I need to, I just need to program these beats and then sell them instantly. It's it, but, but the integration part of it is way cool. 
Yeah. I mean, is there a, is there a cost to uh, you know a, a, an account? I mean, how does how does Nimbit make its money, or how does that aspect of it? Make um, it? There's two types of accounts. There's a Nimbit free account, and then there's what's called a Nimbit Plus. Um, the Nimbit free account. It doesn't cost you anything to create an account and to put music online. Nimbit takes 15% um, from every download. So that's how they make their money. Um, the, the, the Nimbit free account allows you to be able to, of course, put your music up there and also do one type of promotion. And, and this is where it's really cool. You know, Nim, the one thing that Nimbit gets that – um, I think that is valuable is that, you know, the average musician out there, they're creative people, they know how to make great music, but they're typically the average musician, you know, is not a marketing guy. Um, so what, 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 what Nimbit has tried to do is create, um, just pre-programmed promotions that allow, uh, a musician to very, very easily go in and promote a song. Now, you can you can promote, um, like let's say you 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 put up a new you know collection of songs and you just want to you know promote this. You can promote it on Twitter. You can promote it on um, Facebook. So what you're seeing here right now, this is um, the artist that actually played in our booth. This is from his Facebook store. So his name is Jordy Searcy, and you know from the front page of his store, there's a little you know. Um, Nimbit store icon and once you click that uh, this is where it takes you so you can see here he's got his new uh, EP which has four songs he's got a t-shirt up there um, for sale as well and then you'll see a third collection of songs that we actually recorded at NAMM in our booth and so all of those were created directly from the Personas booth at Summer NAMM and you know, another thing you'll notice is that there's some tracks that are for, you know, that are that are for sale at a at a fixed price, like ninety nine cents or a dollar twenty nine, and then there's a free track on there, so you can you can put free. I'll uh, click on there. So when you when you click on the free download, one thing that's kind of cool is you see there's a little uh, contribution bar. So now you can leave a tip for uh, the band, and you can uh, donate. Hundred bucks. What do you think? I'm sure he's worth it, but perhaps more likely to be a buck in my case because I'm cheap. But <laughs> now, right, right below the contribution place is a place for your fans to leave their email information. This is probably the biggest difference between iTunes and Nimbit. You know, um, you have to have iTunes. You have to put your music on iTunes. There's sure. no doubt. But you know, Apple keeps all of your demographic data of your of your people that download your stuff. So if you sell a thousand songs on on itunes you have no idea where those customers are you have no way to get in touch with them um you just sold you know them music and apple took their percentage 30 percent, i might add yeah which is quite a bit more than nimbit takes but um with from within facebook you know nimbit has uh you know a facebook application you can set up a store even if you don't have it on your website you can you can put a nimbit store on your facebook fan page and and anytime somebody downloads a free track or downloads a paid track uh, you get to collect their information and and this is really cool because like let's say you know all of a sudden you see oh wow I got you know 50 downloads from a particular city 
that you've never played in. Well, now you have those customers' email addresses. So the next time you book a gig there, you send an email blast. And the other thing that you can do that's really cool is when somebody downloads your stuff, send them an email and thank them. You know, the, 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 this is the new era for music distribution. And, you know, the way that, that, that independent artists, uh, that the advantage that they have today is that, you know, with tools like Nimbit, not only, you know, do you have the ability to put your music up there, but now you have a way to to form a relationship with your with your fans and uh, and keep in touch with them. And they've got sort of lots of clever promotion triggers and things so you can maybe give someone a free download. They if they don't tip you or whatever, then they can then then you can follow up kind of, you know, 2 3 days later say, "Hey, do you like that? You know, if you if you do, I'll give you a further discount specifically on this collection of songs." That kind of thing, right? That's right. That's right. And 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 that's kind of what Nimbit is really passionate about is trying to take all of the you know the the mundane part of doing promotions out of it for the musician so basically the musician just answers a couple of quick questions and nimbit does the rest nimbit pushes out you know um through the facebook app um allows you to post a promotion on facebook or you can you know copy and paste a promotion directly into an email blast um, or you can do a promotion on Twitter, so it accesses all of these things, and and then you know we're 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 working to implement more tools like this that'll allow automatic follow up to happen and stuff like that. So um, it's really neat how how you know kind of where this thing is going to go. Now the other thing that we're working on really you know because I mean obviously one of our big products right now is the Studio Live mixers, which are used in live performance and so you know like here's here's an example of what I'm talking about let's say I'm playing a gig at at a club called the varsity for example which is a local club here in Baton Rouge Um, so what I can do is you know uh, you know from directly within studio one uh, or capture which is our other you know instant recording application that comes with the studio live mixer I can be recording the show while it's going on and then let's say we get to the last couple of songs of the night and I say to the audience hey guys thank you so much for coming out to the varsity night if you go to my Facebook page and click on my store and put in the word varsity in the coupon section um, I'm gonna give you a free track from tonight's show so you know right that's, after- I mean that's really powerful All radio performances or anything like that right that's right. So if I'm on the radio, I could I could put in a coupon code and say, okay, we're on you know, WZGX. And so if you use WZGX as the um, coupon code, you're going to get a free track. So that way you can do these promotions regularly. And that's the the key. You know, just having your music online doesn't guarantee that you're going to sell one thing. Uh, if you're not regularly promoting it, and so that's where Nimbit kind of comes in is to give artists you know ideas and really easy quick uh, promotions that they can keep in touch with people and, and keep their music out there. That sounds great. I know, um, Rich Hilton, I mean, you were, at the beginning of the show, you kind of were sort of, were, were unclear about how this kind of, whether this was a good thing or not. Does that kind of make it clearer to you? I mean, you can, this sounds really quite powerful now, as it's yes. described there. Yes, it makes it much clearer and it makes it much more uh, understandable to me and it all makes sense to me now. I do have a question, though. And it's uh, a really uh, a sales question because I've been listening very carefully to what you're saying, and it really sounds fantastic. So 
the best known sort of quick online distribution method I know of as a sort of a semi-novice at this is SoundCloud, which you guys had previously implemented into Studio One. And I thought that was a pretty clever thing uh, to be able to give your users. So now you have SoundCloud users who are also involved in the use of Studio One. What do you say to them to tell them how Nimbit is going to be more beneficial to them? Is it mostly wrapped up in this purchasing interface kind of situation that you've just described? Well, um, that's a great question, Rich. Um, we First of all, we we still have um, SoundCloud, and, and I don't think that Nimbit necessarily is a replacement for it. I think it's all, almost more of an augmentation. The thing that SoundCloud is really great for is, you know, I it's just sharing music non-commercially. So, I mean, that's the main application. So, you know, if I, if I have a, if I do a, a song idea, I can throw it up on SoundCloud and people can comment on certain parts of the song. So they can say, oh, I love the chorus and they, it'll, it'll actually say right there. So that, that, that doesn't go away and, and our SoundCloud uh, integration for Studio One actually in version two just got a lot better because now we have the ability, we're the only DAW that has the ability not only to upload to SoundCloud, but directly from Studio One's browser, you can pull stuff from SoundCloud back into Studio One. So that that's something that we just added. So SoundCloud is not going away. But what I would say to the SoundCloud guys is um, when you're ready to to, to try to, to, to make revenue from whatever you've created, um, Nimbit is a really great platform for that because number one, it's super quick. People um, were coming to the booth telling me that when they when they put their stuff up on iTunes, it takes two weeks sometimes for them to actually, from the time that they put it up there to the time that it's available. Nimbit mm-hmm. is instantaneous. Um, and then the second thing, and, and, and by the way, the Nimbit Plus account, which I didn't talk about, um, the difference between the free version of Nimbit um, and the paid version, the the Nimbit Plus is nine ninety five a month, so ten bucks a month basically. And what you get for that, first of all, Nimbit will automatically put your music on iTunes in addition. So oh, cool, and and they don't charge a commission for that. So they, they and and they also put your music on Rhapsody as well. Um, but in addition to that, for the nine ninety five, you have the ability now to um, sell physical merchandise. So now T shirts, hats. Mm-hmm. Nimbit will actually warehouse everything for you and ship it out. So, you know, you send, you know, the the Nimbit uh, warehouse 10 T-shirts of each size. They keep inventory. They let you know when you start to run low. They request more. So that that that's one, one big difference between the paid version. And then the third big difference is that you can do multiple promotions at the same time with a Nimbit Plus account. You can do up to three promotions at a time. So an example of that would be, let's say I'm giving away a free track on Facebook. That's one promotion. Let's say I play a club and I want to give away, you know, with a coupon code, uh, put in the word varsity. That's another promotion. So I could have, you know, up to three different promotions happening at the same time. Cool thing with the promotions is that you can set a start and end time as well. So, you know, you, you may have, um, hey, today only my record is fifty percent off, you know. Or today only, I'm going to give away this track. Or Just, you can yeah. say for only. So you know, these are the kind of things that um, that that that's the difference between the 
I'm just, um, just curious. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about the dropship stuff. Is that US only at the moment, or is that worldwide? How does that work? It is. It is worldwide. Um, we we right now are working actually on a on a um, a different. Uh, right now, we're using a warehouse in the Boston area, so we're that's where Nimbit is located, and uh, and we're actually looking at possibly you know um, increasing that. Uh, Capability to where we'll have multiple warehouses around the world that'll that'll handle the physical inventory. Um, so stay tuned for that. But but it is it is worldwide right now. It's obviously quicker to get stuff shipped. Sure. So in the U.S., yeah, coming from Boston. So there's a little bit of a lag time. But that's our plan is to is to is to have um, warehouses all over. Because you know, here's the interesting thing. There's still a lot of people that just want. Some you know they want a physical CD, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I haven't bought a CD in so long, you know. But the 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 other thing is is that you know artists a lot of time, from what what we've heard, sell a lot more physical stuff the night of the of the performance. You know, people yeah. want to work out with the CD, um, and so the digital stuff is naturally a lot better as a as a you know online type of a thing. But still, you know, shirts and hats. I mean, people still like to buy merchandise do so. you uh, do you kind of have merchandising kind of ranges and and you know like that you get i can't remember the name of those things where you can kind of drop a logo onto a picture of a shirt do you handle or help with uh making of that stuff or is that all down to the artist it's down to the artist but but we we are working with some strategic partnerships so you know and and that may be something where in in the future we may be able to uh have a kind of like a total turnkey solution mm. for, where you know you I'm, just hey i'm se- i'm sensing a revolution here <laughs> it feels like you know i don't know what do you think gaz is it kind of this starting to make some wheels turn in my uh, in in my adult brain and thinking well actually for for acts that are perhaps you know just find the whole thing really daunting i mean like you say a turnkey solution could really kind of rock couldn't it are you there gaz I am. I'm listening. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's really interesting. The um, y- you know the physical merchandising aspect of it, especially. Uh, so, what that turnkey solution would be, for instance, you just sort of send the company. Well, you just upload your kind of JPEGs of your artwork, and and, and then they'll print up the CDs and print up the T-shirts to order will they is that the plan or well it could be you know i mean this is brand new for us uh so so you know i i know that there are companies now um i think there's one called something cafe um digital cafe or yeah no i i think i remember what you mean you you know what i'm talking about but there's a company that does a similar thing well they'll have a range of items like coffee mugs t-shirts you know and you literally just Upload a, a JPEG, and and now all of a sudden you've got five different things that you can sell. So you know we may we may wind up doing sort of a partnership. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, why this is interesting to Brisonis is uh, oh, Cafe Press. That's yeah. what it is. Right? Thanks, Fail yeah. Muso, in the chat yeah, room. They, exactly. What, what you know? Why this is interesting to Brisonis is is that you know for if if our customers. Who are musicians are not making money, then after a while, what what you have is is, and, and it it doesn't just benefit personas; it, it benefits the entire industry. I mean, we want 
our customers. Uh, what what I found with our customers is that they're they're typically. I mean, we have some really high-level pro guys that are using stuff. We have some super low-end, you know, entry-level hobbyists. But largely, it's the it's the middle group of of people that is sort of the personas customer, which is the independent artists out there that are that are doing it by themselves. So it it works perfectly um, with sort of who the the big chunk of our customers yeah, are. So I know Suzanne Vega's putting up her uh, her late stuff. It's quite interesting uh, uh, with Suzanne because she's re-recorded a lot of her stuff. To She's obviously finding this kind of stuff working really well. I mean, she's on iTunes as well. So you've got the larger artists working. Are you finding that there are uh, people migrating over from other places or is it just yet another thing? Because, I mean, this is one of the problems, isn't it? When you have something like this, is it in addition to what you already are upkeeping or do you kind of find people are moving straight over, uh, over to it exclusively? Mm-hmm. You know what? I would. Um, I think. I think it's a combination. You know, because there's a lot of people that are already on iTunes, and the the thing that Nimbit gives you that that I think is really clever is um, the Facebook tools are really powerful. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many people now. Um, as, as musicians, especially Facebook, is more visited than than their than their websites, even you know, and and so just within, I mean, like for example, you know, if I if I have twenty five hundred fans on Facebook, and and let's say I, I mean, I'm let's say I'm working in in Studio One, for example, and this is like a image and heap kind of trick because she's the master of this. Um, w- Engaging your fans through the creative process. So let's say I'm doing a song in Studio One and you know, I, I lay down a scratch vocal with just like a rough kind of an idea. Well, directly from Studio One, I just up, uh, upload it to Nimbit, call it a free track, share it with everybody on my Facebook, you know, all my Facebook fans and say, hey, I'm just working on this tune. What do you guys think? Downloaded. <laughs> it's sort of, in some way, it's a really neat idea, but in some ways, it's going to introduce that uh, horrible notion of uh, design by committee, which uh, we all try and shy away from. But she's, but she's she turned it into a brilliant actual yeah. promotional tool rather than anything yeah. else. Yeah. And and you know the, the the thing that got me interested about her um, early on, I mean, you know, I had heard like a couple of her tunes a few years back, but um, when she came out with the uh, the Ellipse album. Uh, I, I read a, a Yahoo article that she sold like some ungodly amount of of, um, of 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 downloads and physical CDs the first day that it came out because she had had this the, the fans had seen the whole creative process you know they'd been with her along you yeah. know through the recording and all of the the, the stuff so they the, the, you know the first day that it comes out she sells something crazy like seventy thousand copies and and this was on an independent as an independent artist so this is the kind of thing that that started making me realize that you know the the industry is changing i mean these people are taking it into their own hands you know artists are taking their own destiny into their own hands and so having tools like this um you know of of being able to get your music out there and being able to connect with your fans um and and that's that that's the thing when you put up a free track just the fact that Nimit collects every email ad- address. Yeah, well, that- it's it, it's better than you get from anything else. I mean, you know, you d- you get access to that data. I mean, I'm to be honest, I'm I'm surprised that you were the first guy that you got you managed to get hold of the company because it just seems totally obvious now, doesn't it? That that this is that this is the way to do it, and yet, you know, 
you, you would expect yeah. the labels to be buying it, you know. So, I mean, kudos to you for getting hold of it and keeping it in, inside the creative kind of hub, really. It's an interesting story how it happened. So the guy that is the VP of marketing for uh, Nimbit used to work for Cakewalk. Um, he was VP of sales and marketing uh, yes. or something like that for Cakewalk. So he, he, he came from within our industry, right? Um, um, his name is uh, Carl Jacobson. Yep. And, and um, the, before he was working for Nimbit, um, I think he may have been at Cakewalk or he may have just left Cakewalk. Um, he came to the NAM show that we introduced the SoundCloud integration and he had already, and he lived in Boston at the time, and so he, he was already familiar with, um, obviously, Personas, and he was already familiar with Nimbit, and this is before he was working for Nimbit. So he saw us kind of introducing SoundCloud, and he said, you know, this is great. They're, they're, uh, now, you know, all of the Studio One people can share their music from direct from Studio One, but wouldn't it be cool if they could actually sell it? So he's the guy that drove the whole thing. Right. He, 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 he got a job with Nimbit, and he, we started to do some kind of promotion. I've got a dim, I've got a dim and distant recollection of him uh, getting in touch with me actually and telling me about Nimbit um, some time back. And uh, yes, now I recall. Yeah, yep. And now he, uh, he, 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 he gave up the the harsh winters for the harsh summers, and he lives in Baton Rouge now. And he joined us, and and. Um, he, it's 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 neat how it kind of worked out, but it it actually works better, you know, coming from it from this angle because I mean I mean Nimbit really is it's it's for um, musicians, you know, and 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 because you know we're already we already have a community of users that are musicians that want to be able to do this. It kind of worked perfectly with. Um, you know, Personas was 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 a perfect company to kind of yeah, do this. No, it, it sounds like yeah. on to a winner. I really do wish uh, the best of uh, of luck with it. And I think you know it's something that I'm going to be trying myself, frankly, because I'm just thinking every time I do a demos and you know of gear, I quite often write little ditties and stuff, and I'll just have to finish them now and yes. then sell them. <laughs> maybe I can <laughs> maybe I can then then maybe I can fund my reviews even more efficiently. Um, Rick, that's been really interesting to hear. A, what's going on with that and that i mean it sounds you know just hearing what your plans are and how it already integrates you know i can think of a million and one ways that it can it can go so you guys must be having to put the brakes on the creative team just go wait wait let's just get in line because i mean i imagine that, that everybody's got some strong ideas of how it should work oh yeah and by the way it, even if you're not a Personas customer currently you can still sign up for a free nimbit sure. account so you just go to nimbit.com and you can upload your songs. You know, Nimbit only takes WAV files. That's one thing I should I should um, mention. Now, now when people download it, it'll be an MP3. But Nimbit takes care of converting it. So you upload it as a 16-bit um, WAV file, and then that way everybody's resolution is the same. So right. that's why it's it it. Um, well, and also you can you can change that resolution if you've still got the original file somewhere. You know, you can re-encode. Of course, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, brilliant. Well, Rick, I imagine you've probably got a busy day ahead of you, considering that you've just done just come back from Summer Nam. Um, so, uh, uh, unless you're, uh, you're you're more than welcome to hang around, but if you need to head away, then that's absolutely fine, and we can uh, we can move on to some other topics. But uh, appreciate you coming in to to join us. Thank you very much, Rick. Sure. Thank, thanks. Thanks so much question? for having. Oh, Gaz has got a question before we go. Yeah. 
A couple of questions. So, because uh, I was cut off for a little bit, so I'm, you may well have talked about this. So, if I if you have, I'm sorry. Um, does is it like Bandcamp in a way with Nimbit? Does is there a URL then, sort of like www.bandname.nimbit? Is that is it? Yes. Hey. Um, the way that it works, and I'd say you know it's very similar to Bandcamp in many ways, but that's exactly how it works. So let's say I create a, a store. With Nimbit, you, you, you have the ability to host that store in three places. Actually, more than three, but the three main places are your website. So it's just a very simple um, you know, bit of code that you drop into your website. Now you have the Nimbit store um, on your website. The second place is on Facebook. And then the third place is on Nimbit.com. So it would be Nimbit.com forward slash, you know. So even if you don't have a website, um, you can host your store f from Nimbit. Basically, Nimbit puts it up there for you. Um, and you can send people, if so, if you don't have a, a Facebook store or a Facebook page, um, you know, you can actually do it directly. Actually, I I'm sorry, it's NimbitMusic.com. And that's where the artists actually put their... Uh, My bad. Social. That was me trying to be helpful and I just sent them to the wrong page. Nimbitmusic.com. Okay. Yeah, okay. nimbitmusic.com. That's where, that's where um, the individual artist pages will be located. And the cool thing is, is when you make a change to one store, it, it, it goes out to all of your stores. Um, the other thing that we did with, um, with the Nimbit Plus account, we added the ability for you to have a store uh, directly from Django as well. And and uh, we've we found you know with Django it's interesting um, for those of you, you that are not familiar with Django it, it, it's a uh, kind of like an internet radio station similar to a Pandora where basically you pay to have your music uh, alongside um, you know signed artists so let's say you know like with Jordy's music he 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 sounds a lot like um, you know. What's his name? John John Mayer, right? So he can he can put John Mayer as um, kind of like I guess an, an influence, and then Django he can pay to have his stuff put on um, right next to John Mayer, uh, like a John Mayer radio station, basically. So people that like John Mayer will get um, get to listen to his music. Now the, the the drag though with Django is you know you can pick up fans with with Django, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna buy anything. Right, so I have another friend uh, that that you know paid to have his stuff on Django, and he picked up a lot of fans, but he didn't really pick up a lot of sales. Well, now you have the ability if people are interested from Django, it'll bring up your Nimbit page within Django. So right. we have a Django um, plugin, I guess. Ah, okay, neat. I wonder how long they're going to let you do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with unfortunately is all this stuff can kind of change but yeah, but of course you know so but but you'll always have the ability to capture the 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 fans data and that's the main thing um that you get with nimbit is that's really cool so hope mm. i answered that thank you very much um I'm going to, I, I, this has been so fascinating, uh, I've actually forgotten to uh, play the uh, ad from our sponsor, which I should probably do. Yamaha are still our um, sponsor, but what's happening is where we're looking at the new apps. They've got a huge range of apps that, uh, over 20 applications available in the music category alone, uh, taking the world of the app seriously, and in here there's actually a, a music track to this, and I've set up a little duck underneath in my Yamaha digital desk, just out of interest. Um, 
With over 20 applications available in the music category, uh, there's simple MIDI controls like Synth Drum and Synth Arp app, where the uh, it's like an Arp control. It's also got a 61 voice synth in there, seven drum kits, 61 sound effects, 16 drum pads, MIDI loop recorder. There's also set li- set list organizer, which allows you to set up your tunes and send that program changes to all of your stuff. There is uh, multi editor essential, which uh, quick edit functions of mixer effects and edits MEQ modules for the Motif XF. Mox, S90X, S70XS, Motif XS, and Rack XS. And there's also the Voice Editor Essential, which gives you edit uh, the opportunity to edit voice effects, EQ cutoff, resonance, those kind of things. Various envelopes with eight faders and an XY pad for real-time control for performance parameters. Again, compatible with the Motif XF, Mox, S90X, S70X, Motif XS, and Rack XS. Gosh, they're hard to say um, when you say them in a long line like that. But... Um, do check out the Yamaha apps. There is a whole series of them, and it really is uh, a world of apps. UK.yamaha.com. Thank you very much. Right, um, so uh, thanks. Again, if I come back to you, Rick, I want to say thank you very much for joining us, Rick. That's been a really a real eye-opener, and I, uh, again, wish you the best of luck with that, and I think thanks I'm going to have to investigate that. Um, we'll have to... Have to uh, have to work on maybe getting some people jamming in here and selling stuff stuff through Sonic, uh, create sub labels or whatever. I don't know. There's all sorts of reasons. So once again, that's uh, Rick Natfee from Pisonus and uh, Nimbit dot com. Or would it be best to say Nimbit Music? <laughs> I guess uh, either one would work. Either one would <laughs> work. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. That's pretty interesting. I would say. I must. I must admit, I wasn't expecting quite such a, such a tight integration of uh of everything there but yeah pretty pretty good stuff guys your video is frozen but i'm guessing you're still there right uh yeah i am i am um yeah i mean i was i was yeah so so about it because i thought that Bandcamp. i didn't really i mean other than sort of the ease of use if you're a studio one user which is obviously quite appealing um i still thought Bandcamp was more or less matched it in most categories i think uh, i think it's the marketing side that i kind of got quite thrilled about the fact that you can collect all of this stuff i mean i don't use bandcamp so i don't know i mean it's in bandcamp you can there's a lot of information you can find out about the people who buy it and, and there's a lot of statistics okay. and stuff, you know uh, but I mean, I guess the integration with the door is just i mean because i was before just before the show i was trying out this uh this new scarlet uh 2i2 interface and i just threw a few ideas down into ableton just to sort of see what the latency was like and i thought oh that's quite good and then i just thought well if i could have just press i could just press you know finish it obviously that's the tricky part and then press a button and kind of go yeah you can have this 99 cents or you know free or whatever it's just yeah. like i just really like the idea of that i mean obviously it might lead to an enormous amount of um, half finished and and pre what am i trying to say stuff that's not ready for prime time i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that's that is that is quite compelling uh, reason for it. I've been um, I've been using Studio One quite a lot over the past week and have found it to be a very very good working platform. Actually, mm. I do like. Oh, good, it. yeah, because you were talking about master. Well, maybe um, when you come over sometime, we can have a look and you can give us a show round and we can get a like preview with it. Um, we should probably uh, cover some other topic as well. I know we've uh, we've we've kind of given the uh, have quite a lot of uh, talk about the Nimbit thing, but there were some other things going on. I think one of the first ones was possibly um, the the new core Chronos. I think I've got a little video here, the Chronos X, uh, which I will just quickly play. 
And I have to say, check out this voiceover. The award-winning Kronos Music Workstation has raised the bar for keyboard players around the globe. Its amazing potential and unrivaled sound has ignited the creativity of thousands of musicians, making it the new industry standard against which all other keyboards are measured. How do you make the world's greatest keyboard even better? Simple. Add more of what makes it great. Introducing the new Kronos X Music Workstation. I won't play the whole thing because it is blatant marketing. I mean, obviously, that was the uh, the kind of, hey, check it out. But that's quite interesting, the new Kronos X, which I know um, I, I wanted to get one in to have a look at. But the, the idea of reviewing something with nine synth engines is kind of pretty terrifying, frankly. And I think it would probably take me the rest of my life to kind of get through and cover it. But I don't know, Rich, have you checked it out? Have you checked the Kronos out at all? I mean, there are some, some serious players who really kind of rate it. No, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I saw it. I saw it at a trade show briefly, but I really didn't spend any time with it. It looks like a fantastic instrument, and I hear from people I trust very well that it's fantastic. Well, the, the I new- find this update to be a bit uh, tepid in terms of the actual feature set being offered. I think they've upgraded the flash memory from 64 gig to 128 gig. Well, this laptop in front of me has 512. So that seems kind of, uh, you know, to, 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 I guess to house samples, that's pretty good. It's more like RAM than it is like disk space. And to that extent, I can sort of see it. it, it I'm sure it's a wonderful instrument. Well, I think you can get double the SSD and double the RAM. And there's been a lot of questions and asking about, uh, uh, you know, what about upgrade parts? Apparently, um, you can just take your, your own... You can buy an SSD and have it have Korg fit it for you. Buy some RAM and have it Korg fit it for you. They haven't set any prices yet, but it's looking like they're going to make it, you know, fairly reasonable. And there's obviously the OS uh, two, which is coming along as well. Um, but yeah, well, I'd l- I would like to get my hands on it. Why are they even in the memory sales business? Why are they offering tiers? Why don't you just make the ports accessible to your users and let them load their own? Well, that's a good point. Um, it does say that it's user serviceable. Um, I think they also they're selling sound pack yeah as Puckatronic says in the in the chat room they're selling sound packs on the SSDs as well so you get extra sound banks with it so I think that's partly uh, partly the strategy perhaps I'm not sure okay um, so that would work it's interesting though this kind of like the, the, the whole you know it seems uh, we getting kind of flagship synthesizer fatigue I mean there's just an awful lot of there there seem to be you know. <laughs> I can think of three. How many are there? Well, exactly. I suppose there, are, there aren't that many. Yeah, maybe that's true. There aren't- I can think of three. I can think of the motif. Yeah. Uh, whatever Roland's you know, flagship du jour is, uh, I guess it's that Jupiter Jupiter line. 18. God help us. And, uh, and this thing. Hmm. Well, well, I suppose so. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. I, I guess that I sort of tend, tend to think that there are more of them because there are generally lots of different flavours and tiers of them, as you say. I know, Gaz. I mean, I'm sh- have you have you heard or played with a Kronos anywhere? I mean, I can't. I haven't seen them in the, in the field. I must admit. Yeah, I had to go with one in Paris, and uh, yeah, I mean, it all seemed very good. But it, I just, for me, I was just kind of thinking, why do they always make the uh, interfaces? so sort of archaic you know it feels really weird for such a state-of-the-art thing there's a touch screen on it but you know the touch screen is 
you know, compared to something like an iPad, you know, it's way, way, way back in time, you know, and, uh, and you know, you, these things are expensive, and they're talking about this upgrade, and yeah, there was, they've doubled the, the SSD drive to 64 gig from 32 gig, and, you know, and, and, and what's it, $3,000 or whatever, and it's just kind of always wonderful. I mean, I know that's just figures in a way, but um, with the ex- expensive thing, you kind of expect a bit more. I mean, you know, in terms of in terms of it being a great keyboard, it unquestionably is. Um, in terms of its usability and friendliness, I wasn't so sure about it. I was wanting to have a little look around because I know that it's got the MS20 engine in there yeah. and a whole things and i wanted to just to sort of see how how nice it was to sort of navigate and i i mean <clears throat> as we all know lots you know equipment d- does take a while to sort of get your hair around it to understand its kind of uh, architecture and, and whatnot but i still found it all a little bit uh, not really inspiring and i and, and it and for me it was it, it really put me off it not that i was particularly in the market for it no but. i guess not I, I think the one thing that i always find about anything with touchscreen whether it's jupiter 80s or korg stuff or yamaha stuff or whatever is the technology that they've put into the touchscreens that we're that we're in the current uh r- models is just nothing like what you can do with an ipad or an android device or an actually it just doesn't have the same responsiveness it's not multi-touch generally it feels that the size of the screen is going to be limited you know physically as well it just feels like that that it's a really difficult um kind of market to enter and it's sort of because of the long lead times in manufacture we're still sort of getting these kind of not maybe not not so uh, tactile touchscreen interfaces on current keyboards because there's a commitment to buying so many units. Rich, you're looking skeptical at my words. Well, no, just that Korg has been putting touchscreens in their products for nearly a decade now. Well, that's and true. I think, and I think well, that it, at this level, makes a lot more sense in a $1,200 M50 product than it does in a $3,500 Kronos product in terms of how satisfying it is. Like you know, in other words, in, getting back to Gaz's original point, yeah, it's expensive, and so for thirty five hundred bucks, you kind of feel like it should at least be as good as your iPad. But at the twelve hundred dollar price point, where you're buying an M fifty with ten gazillion sounds and some of that uh, technology that was in the Oasis, whatever that stuff was called again, by that guy Stephen. Um, yeah, you know the auto accompaniment software. Yeah, yeah. Grow Cam- large. Uh, uh, yes. Karma. Karma. Karma yes. 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 Yeah, that that was in a twelve, thirteen hundred dollar product that made a gillion sounds and had a touch screen. At that level, it all seems like a huge bargain. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's interesting because I mean, you know, going back to the ad with the Yamaha, when I, I spoke to uh, the Yamaha guy, he came down and we had a bit of a chat, and he was saying, you know, they're actually focusing more on the sounds and that side of things, and making sure that that stuff sounds great, and then put yeah. and integrating it with the outside world with the latest, you know, with the with the touchscreen from that point of view. Because not, I mean, some of their some of their synths have plenty of screen real estate, and you know that that's fine, but some of the other ones don't, and this is a, the way to kind of uniformly access some of that stuff. I mean, even the JP has done it as well, you know. The to suggest that Korg and Roland aren't primarily concerned with the sound of their instruments. Well, no, I don't think that, but I think there's... I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that at all. I think it's more... If you're not having to worry about an OS for, the, for a touchscreen, and they, I mean, because I'm guessing those touchscreens are still pretty expensive. Like I well, said, it's a $1,200 product. Mm. But then I was thinking, you know, I was in a, I was in a, in a shop earlier, and there's loads of different other... Um, I presume most of them were Android... Um, pad, touchpad things, and uh, you know, like I- iPad equivalents, and there was lots of them for around ninety nine pounds. Uh, mm. You know, with 
fairly similar sort of size to the iPad. So there must be like generic touch screens then that they could just bring, you know, because I mean... Well, that would make sense because I mean a lot of like, I know the, uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a Linux core underneath the uh, Kronos. Uh, So yeah, I mean, that which is kind of related to Android, I suppose. So, you know, maybe, why not? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's so, you know, I hate to be too negative about something that I've got 25 minutes on. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure it would be just, just the most wonderful thing. Um, but it's kind of interesting. I always have very high expectations of stuff. Um, I've just had this experience with the machine this week, you know, the ah, yes. machine, um, where it's unquestionably a really cool piece of kit, really enjoying it. But, it doesn't do half the things I want it to do. And I'm just really gobsmacked by the things it doesn't do. Uh, that I, When I bought it, I just assumed it was going to do. I didn't look into it maybe as deeply as I should have. It just doesn't do it. Or, it, or the ways around it are just really not, I don't know, not, mm. not intuitive. Or, or, you know, uh, possibly because maybe, you know, it, it, it's perhaps a little bit more tightly mar- focused on its marketing at a very particular sort of Well, genre. I mean, I think that's the, the case with anything that tries to do everything. Um, it's going to work really well at those things, at some of those things for some people and not for others. I mean, it depends. Something that's so integrated and tight and ha- can do as much as something like Machine or, you know, perhaps the Electron Octatrack or any of those things. Doesn't, doesn't do, in the Machine's case, it really doesn't do an awful lot what it does it does extremely well um but it doesn't it isn't this all-encompassing thing actually it's quite a you know in some ways it's it's quite easy it's a lot easier than i was expecting and and i have to say though i have to say i've been having tons of fun on it as well so you know i I do have to kind of balance that a little bit and it is a brilliant thing and i wouldn't want to put people off it uh it's just me in terms of your expectations were were exceeded the actualities with it yeah, you know, and uh, I think perhaps what I was hoping for, I only realized this retrospectively, was Ableton Live in a in a box, you know, and, and not the APC20, which represents, or APC40, which represents an aspect of Ableton Live. I was, you know, um, I just, I don't know, in terms of like the, the pads, I thought the pads were going to be able, I thought you were going to be able to sort of make each pad have spe- special kind of functions and stuff, and it really is. It a doesn't drum do that, right? Okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, but yeah, so um, you know, and, uh, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, just that really. In in that, you know, it's twenty twelve now, and we've got so much to draw upon about what works and what doesn't work. And I'm just kind of thinking, this still, this still space i don't think we've expanded so you know you know what you were saying about like kind of getting um workstation fatigue uh yeah i think they still seem to me very much like the stuff that was in the 1990s you know well i think that the thing is is what they're really geared towards um, perhaps rather than, you know, I mean, it used to be kind of, you know, you can sequence and record, do everything from it. It seems to me now they're more geared towards just being a go-to 
everything I need to do live. You know, I can play great piano sounds. I can do these amazing splits and layers and kind of uh, for people, you know, perhaps in churches, perhaps in bands who are gigging musicians, you could just go, they go on the higher stock. Like with you, Rich, you know, you, you use the, a particular piano. It's kind of that level of performer that just go and they go, they stick their USB stick in it and it'll just do all of that stuff that they needed to do and they don't need to kind of carry it around with them. It's this sort of upper tier of performance, I think, that, that they tend to service. And also people who've got, you know, like churches do have a lot of cash some of them so uh, particularly in the US it's probably more of a thing and they might have that as you know for to be able to, to, to encourage people to come in and play in the, the band at a high level you know that's the, those are the sort of areas where they seem to go quite a lot and you know you see them on in people who are playing TV in TV bands where they have to play you know a lead line one minute a, a piano the next an organ a string pad or whatever I don't know I mean you you're touring a bunch rich I mean are you seeing these sort of things on the road this this level of keyboard on the road much I have not seen a Kronos on stage yet, but I know one guy who plays one. Right. But I haven't seen him play it. What, what are you seeing then? What, I mean, what's the kind of stuff that you're seeing? Is it, is it still one generation behind or is it just kind of... Uh, yeah, a lot of Motif, Nord, occasional Roland, not as much really. Uh, some Korg in terms of Triton and such. But, but uh, hardly ever is it, is it do I see at festivals that I've been at the guys using the latest and greatest stuff. It's it's kind of like that whole thing about um, uh, you know you stick with what works, don't you? I mean, it's like you you stay you stay back a few. Yeah, I don't know what the psychology is, but well, but, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, because the pianos that you tend to use, which have capabilities more far outside just being a piano, right? I mean, there are you you're not playing the the, the kind of current cutting edge one. You're are you or are you kind of or are you? Well, I would be, except it sucks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, NX of the RD700 is really unworthy to me of its name and the previous version the GX which was only a year old when they decided to ruin it with this new model um, is fine it's actually great and I've managed to learn to make the SX which was the previous one from 8 or 10 years ago work pretty well but um, yeah they do more obviously they do a lot more pianos and the interesting thing is I don't play any piano parts in the band on them right uh the pianos are played from across the stage and that guy these days is using a motif one of the highest end motif products yeah. and the person who was there before him used to use one of the highest end cord products and if i were over there i'd be quite happy to play the rollins or any of the i like i have played over there once or twice and i've played yamaha and it was fine for piano i i, I like it but it's interesting. I mean, I think there is, you know, you do, one does tend to find in uh, situations where, you know, it's kind of deal, deal, well, not deal breaker, but it just must work. There is a point yeah. at which, you know, I mean, what I've been working on um, pre-production for tours and stuff, and there's, you, I'm surprised at some of the stuff that's used, and they just go, well, it just works. So that's why it gets well, used. And going back to your original point about whether or not people are using groundbreaking gear on the road, there are fewer and fewer people these days traveling with their gear. Mm. And so a large part of your decision about what you're going to use is what is most widely available of the things that you like and how much programming before the fact has to be accommodated in that instrument. In my case, one of my keyboards needs to be able to accommodate the programming I've done beforehand in terms of laying sounds out in different queries yeah. across the keyboard for different songs. And the other one I can sort of fly... Uh, by the scene of my pants on 
on stage because as long as it covers these various kinds of sounds, I can do it, although I do have preferences for it. Um, we don't travel with gear. If I traveled with gear, maybe I'd want a Kronos. Who knows? I mean, but I don't imagine I can rent one in every market I go to, so I'm not going to spend all the trouble it takes to make it work if I can't get them. Right. Yeah. Um, in the hot off the presses department, Ableton has just released a beta of their new 64-bit version of Live. Wow, Gaz, you'll be oh, yeah. a, you'll be a happy guy. I was gonna I was gonna broadcast that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> First, <laughs> you got pipped. I did. Sorry, there, Gaz. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. <laughs> That's no, quite fine. a big deal, right? So, uh, what's right. That? Well, then how's this then? Uh, for the moment, it won't support Max for Live or the Bridge, yeah. or video. Right. In its, beta, in its current beta form, and they hope to support those things mm. later on. So, if you're somebody who goes to sleep dreaming of new creative ways to use Max for Live, this might not be for you. And it's funny because you know. Something I often mention about this kind of how long Ableton is stayed at version eight, and you know a lot of people assumed that sixty-four bit was going to be one of the you know version nine uh, kind of headline thing. But so well, maybe maybe it is. What's the beta version, Rich? I mean, is it uh, eight, 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 eight bit? Yeah, what is it? Eight point. Oh, I can't remember. The eight point four. Eight point four. I mean, is that just so you can run, you know, larger sample libraries and what have you in it? I mean, is that what you need? No, no, you can create, you're no longer limited to uh, four gig of memory. Right. Okay. So, um, which I don't even think you could probably use in its, in its fullest state anyway. But I, the point is, it releases the RAM limitations that might otherwise have been bogging down your Ableton life. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's to try and pip. Bitwig, you know. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I'm actually meeting with uh, Bitwig developers tomorrow morning um, at a hotel somewhere in Bath. I did try and get them to come on the show today uh, and last week, but they're being very coy um, at the moment. But uh, hopefully I'll get some answers to a few questions about that, uh, about all of this. So uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing it working and just I'd love to be able to see it on a, a Linux laptop or something. That's one of the thing I'm very keen to, to check out. Yeah. And also be interested to know if they're going to, you know, going to be taking advantage of these kind of APIs from Melodyne and what have you, just to bring all this stuff into the into the fold. I mean, that's that's it. But yeah, I'm going to try and find out. A happy fun team asked in the chat room. Uh, find out what you can about the Linux version. I fully intend to. I don't know whether I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a recorder with me, but I don't think they're going to want to do anything on screen or anything. But um, you know, may as well try. I love the whole clandestine sound to the whole thing. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. It's secret isn't it? location in a hotel. Secret location. Like yeah, well, uh, there. Yes, the secret location is going to be all about it. And also, uh, while I've got to everybody's attention, we are going to be launching a uh, a competition very shortly in the next day or so, hopefully with uh, Isotope, uh, a, a Iris competition. They've stumped up a ridiculous amount of prizes in terms of software giveaways uh, for uh, people who want to make something cool out of uh, various podcast clips or any other found sounds. So stay yeah. tuned for that. Yeah. 
Iris is very good. I'm quite um, thrilled by that, and hopefully, um, yeah. That, but what's terrifying is um, I think SoundCloud are going to get involved, and they're going to send it out in their email shot to 350,000 users. So I'm, ra- I'm, I may look calm, but underneath the table, I'm rapidly deploying servers <laughs> and making up strategies to to cope with this influx of traffic should it actually arrive. But uh, yeah, do stay tuned um, for that because hopefully that'll be um, that'll be something that everybody will. Um, is it, are you meant to use that? Oh, sorry. I'm yeah, uh, you are. Well, uh, the, the bare bones of it, I don't want to say too much more. The bare bones of it, you have to use Iris to create the sound. And there'll mm. be a sh- you create a short demo and you upload it to SoundCloud. We've got a, a Dropbox made that, you know, just will take anything. Uh, so you don't have to be a SoundCloud member. What's quite interesting is you can drop it by dropping a sound up there. You just give it your email address and it effectively creates your SoundCloud account anyway. So that's how the winner will be con- winners will be contacted. There's going to be five winners and there's a few li- uh, sonic state t-shirts up for grabs as well so what more could you ask <laughs> oh. priceless I, and i think the winner gets to be uh, get uh, a special guest on the podcast as well because uh, obviously sonic talk was one of the places that uh, this was seeded well it wasn't seeded it was it was dave's initial idea but it was discussed and then i think it kind of just re, re- in what's the word i'm looking reinforced the idea that it should be uh, should be made into a synth rx technology anyway i think that's probably about it for today it's been tipping down with rain now we were going to get onto some interesting uh uh erky good sunshine Karundi. Oh, i can't say it i'll pronounce i'll work on the pronunciation for next week um but anyway thank you very much for everybody for joining us i want to say thanks to rick uh Nackfee from personas slash nimbit for coming on and giving us all that information very interesting stuff actually and i will say also thank you very much to rich hilton right there uh, where's your gig? Is your gig tonight, or have you got a couple of days? Uh, it's tomorrow night. Ah, uh, okay. And that's, you're in Galway. You're in Galway. Ah, right. Galway. Okay. Um, there's a yeah, some great pubs in Galway. I've uh, I've I've played there myself once. A jazz funk a jazz funk festival. <laughs> so maybe it's the same event. I can't remember what time of year it was. I went, but uh, I imagine the venue was much more lowly than the one you're likely to be playing at. Who knows. But uh, when are you back home then, Rich? Um, I'll be going home on Sunday for three days. And then it's back to the lovely English mud. For a ah, of yes. I'm getting a bit worried about this, actually, because I don't know how the hell all of these places, all these ones that have been cancelled due to kind of bad weather and uh, uh, the, uh, the, the insurance premiums on running these events for next year is just going to be impossible for most of them. I mean, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's going to really affect... The ability for the UK to put on outdoor events, I think. I'm still trying to grapple with how they're going to put on an Olympics in six inches of mud with an infrastructure that was built by the Romans and a road system that doesn't <laughs> feed anything. <laughs> uh, we do have pavements and concrete and hard standing in most uh, civilised areas these days, Rich. And as far as I know, the only place where it happens on the maybe muddy ground is likely to be um, football and archery, possibly. So I think I think we should be all right. Track and field in general. Track and field, yeah. Well, it might be a bit. It's wet. a summer Olympics. Well, apparently uh, the jet stream is moving north um, over the next few days, and it's all going to be well and good. We're going to get our summer, but uh, we should, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't want to be held uh, responsible for that prediction, of course, but I just want to say. Anyway, Gareth Williams, uh, songsurgeon.co.uk, thank you for joining as well, even though your video is frozen in with your lovely oh. bass tree in the uh, in the rear there. And uh, well, I've got a really interesting 
week ahead. I've got a good gig on Saturday. Uh, anyone in the Bristol area? We're headlining the Harborside Festival in the Amphitheatre stage. Oh, cool. Is, that'll be good. And then I'm off to Japan next week. Hooray! Oh, so, wow. Uh, that's going to be really interesting. So, um, I, Where I've are you going? A, I'm going to Tokyo first, and then I'm going to head on to the Fuji Rock Festival, and then back to Tokyo for a little bit afterwards. Fuji uh, Rock, that's supposed to be a really good festival, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, I've got some sort of techy music tech kind of um, little mission that I want to sort of try and do when I'm over there. Uh, so I shall report back. So it probably means that I won't be around next week, but uh, and the week after that. But then I'll uh, come back with my. I'm. I'm. T- one of the things I'm really going to do is go and check out. I want to go and check out some music stores over there as well. I just want to see what they've got going on that we don't know about. So that's something kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know what it, I think it's more likely to be mobile phones, to be honest. But uh, maybe you can find some vintage synthesizers or, or, or cheap vintage electronics. I don't know. Anyway, I, I will um, I will speak to you very soon. Thank you very much for joining us. That was a Sonic Talk number uh, two hundred seventy five. And uh, next week we will have more details of the Isotope competition. Uh, it was again thanks to Rick Knack for your personas and also to our sponsors Yamaha. So thank you very much, everybody, and have a great week. In the meantime, see you later. <laughs>